Next on BYU Sports Nation, Jimmer Fredette still technically a member of the Sacramento Kings, but listening to NBA suitors. Hey, the Windy City looks pretty good. BYU basketball looking pretty good as well. The Cougars are moving up in a bevy of brackets and still have an outside shot at a regular season conference championship. Say what? Plus, reviewing the NFL Draft Combine Sporting News draft expert Eric Galco on which BYU standouts will play at the next level. Let's go. And now, live on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio, it's BYU Sports Nation with your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Throw your hands up for Thursday, February 27th. Get them up, Jerem. Get them up. Ben's got them up. Aaron's got them up. Yeah, everybody in the studio is feeling good. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with a guy who moonlights as a social dance analyst. This is not true. You're the one taking a a dance class with your wife. Wherever and however you may be listening, great to have you with us. You can put your hands down now, Jerry. Okay. Show starters. Jimmer's still a member of the Sacramento Kings, though it is anticipated by the end of the day. I know we said this yesterday. Anticipated by the end of the day, they will have a buyout reached with the Kings, which would put him on the market as of Saturday. Finish it. Just get it done. I mean, we thought it was going to happen maybe Tuesday night. Then yesterday, uh, James Hamm of the Sacramento Kings, an expert guy, the rest for Cabo Kingdom, he joined us and said, we anticipate it'll be done by 11 a.m. It was an hour later. The biggest news that came out with Jimmer Fredette yesterday was that he was chasing his dog around his house in an Instagram video. That was it. We need more (laughs) than that. Give us something else. Did you hear about Granite Flats? If you're not familiar with BYU TV, BYU Broadcasting, the programming on here, they have an original drama series called Granite Flats. And it just Season got, 2 coming in it April. It just got taken next level. Variety, a big-time Hollywood entertainment blog, uh, newspaper, whatever you want to call it, they, they just released I'd yesterday. Call it a website. A website, okay. Mm-hmm. That Christopher Lloyd, yes, that Christopher Lloyd from Marty! Back to the Future... And Angels in the Outfield, of course. <laughs> Along with Carrie Elwes, who was in Princess Bride. He he is As the guy wish. in Princess Bride. Both of those guys are going to be on Granite Flats. BYU TV represent. Awesome. That's, that's cool. That's, that's really cool. really fun. Great Scott! 121 gigawatts! 1.21 gigawatts! I love it. Bra- Bracketology Thursday, oh, by the way. BYU, an 11 seed, playing 6 seed Ohio State in Orlando, part of the West Bracket, according to ESPN's Joe Lunardi. They are in, and by a comfortable margin. It's uh, This is shocking. You're comfortable? I'm, I'm feeling way better. I'm feeling better about BYU than... At any point during the season, even after the Stanford win. like I, It's just like, wow. I am not comfortable. Later, we'll tell you where BYU fits into bracket matrix. I'm comfortable because other teams are tanking. Plenty more to come on that. They could upset teams in their conference tournament. Like, there's still a week and a half, two weeks to go. I'm not, I'm not giving it to them. They still have to win. They have to beat San Diego. I am uncomfortable. They're in a good place, all things that have happened. Big night in the West Coast Conference. BYU doesn't play. This is part of their uh, off week with San Diego and their travel partner. They, they will play on Saturday. But every other team in the West Coast Conference plays tonight. The Cougars have a legitimate shot at playing for a potential number one seed on Saturday if the right things happen tonight. But that's, I wouldn't call it legitimate. It's, it's a big if. What do you mean? If Okay. Pacific is not going to beat Gonzaga. 
You said that about BYU and Pacific too. Pacific, pff, not even worried Gonzaga. about that. Not even worried about them. Gonzaga doesn't lose these kind of games. They don't. Five and a half point favorite. BYU is a three point favorite at Pacific. I hope I'm wrong, but Gonzaga doesn't lose these kind of games. Or BYU has. Did this Gonzaga year. lose to San Diego when they needed to win? That's the one get. Yeah. Did they lose to Portland? San Diego and Pacific. Did they almost lose to Santa Clara? All, who cares about almost? Did they win or lose? They lost to San Diego and Portland. They, they can lose to Pacific. If Pacific can beat BYU on their home floor, this was at Gonzaga, not gonna totally lose, different. They're not going to lose the game tonight. And we will discuss more on that. But I hope they do. Oh, we're off to a good start. Join our conversation with the hashtag BYUSN. That hashtag giving BYU fans a 24-7 channel to link up across BYU Sports Nation. Please have your say wherever, whenever you feel like it, and get involved on today's Twitter topic. Which team do you want BYU to avoid at the WCC tourney? So you can't avoid everyone because you're going to see the other side of the bracket if you make it to the tournament title game. But of all the teams, who do you want to avoid the most? Weigh in using hashtag BYUSN. They've lost to four different West Coast Conference teams. To me, it's San Francisco, honestly. More than Gonzaga. I'll tell you later why. Yeah, it's really difficult to beat teams three times in the season. It just is. And that's an overwhelming response we're getting on Twitter. We'll get to some of your answers in just a moment. BYU Sports Nation airs weekdays at noon Eastern, 10 a.m. Mountain on Sirius XM Channel 143, BYURadio.org, the BYU Radio iOS app, and Dish Network Channel 980. The show also on demand at BYURadio.org. Or catch the rebroadcast weekdays, 7 Eastern. We will be simulcast, oh, by the way, on BYU TV Woo! from the West Coast Conference Tournament in Las Vegas beginning March 6th. That's one week. Next week, this time, we're doing this from the third floor of the Orleans Arena. A week from today. We're having two days of sorts where we, we do the radio show live and then, and then we uh, do a mock simulcast downstairs in the studio to get ready for the show. It's a lot of fun. It it's, looks really it's gonna good. It's going to be good. It, it, it looks and feels like Mike and Mike, but a BYU sports version of that. I think that, I think that you, the fans are going to like it. I, think, I hope they will. I wonder what the Oracle's going to think about it. Oh, by the way, he joins us on the show today. He predicted there would be a simulcast, like the first time he came on here. He's coming down from the mountain to join BYU Sports Nation. That said, rise and shout. It's time for a Thursday edition of What's Trending. What's Trending in BYU Sports Nation. Topic one. Going ham! Two Wildcats near Jimmer. This from downtown. Oh, my, oh, my. Team, he just backed up, said he needed a double team at half court. I'm shooting anyway. BYU Sports Nation had a chance to delve inside what went wrong in Sacramento for Jimmer with a guy named James Ham, Sacramento Kings insider from Cowbell Kingdom, part of ESPN's True Hoop Network. Now, before we get to some of that interview from yesterday, let's update Jimmer's current status. He's now expected to have a deal done today. We thought it was going to happen maybe today! late Tuesday night. Wednesday, but now it looks like it's going to be on Thursday after 48 hours from that contract buyout clearing. Then he can officially sign with the team of his choice. He becomes an unrestricted free agent. That said, what's the deal with Jimmer now? Apparently Chicago and Memphis are the top of the NBA rumor mill hmm. teams having interest in Jimmer. L.A., New York, and Miami, less likely, but certainly fun to entertain the prospect of Jimmer playing on such great storied franchises like the Knicks and the Lakers. Yeah, I, I really see him in, uh, what, what jersey would he look best in? Lakers or Knicks? Knicks, obviously, the tide of New York. L.A., the spotlight. Uh, I think that Southern California would uh, love the 
three-point barrage that he could bring. And James Ham was interesting yesterday on the show. One of many interesting comments from him was the fact that he's, he said, I've never seen an NBA player like him where all of a sudden he can take over the arena. Like, not, not the game, but everyone sees a three go in, and they go, oh, oh boy, oh. you hear this roar, and then the second one goes in, and then oh. all of a sudden, then it's going. Right? You heard it in New York. After the third shot he yeah. made in New York, everyone was just like, oh! Yeah, like, that's really Like, cool. who is this 6'2 white dude taking over the game, balling it up? I love it. So what went wrong in Sacramento? Back to James Hang. Really interesting to hear his thoughts on the team he follows, that he eats, sleeps, and breathes. You know, everything went wrong in Sacramento, I, I think, as a whole, not just with Jimmer Fredette. Um, you know, but if you look at Jimmer specifically, he, he comes to the, the most dysfunctional franchise, probably in professional sports, when he comes in, you know, walks in the door. Uh, you add to that that Paul Westfall, his head coach, is fired seven games into his rookie season, and Keith Smart takes over. This was a, a train wreck from day one. I cannot get over the fact that he just said the Kings are the most dysfunctional franchise maybe in sports. Wow. Not just in basketball, but in sports. This the is Raiders the- said that's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish all of you could have seen the look that Ben Bagley, our producer, just gave Jeremy. That's a long-time, lifelong Raiders fan. The Kings the most dysfunctional in sports? Okay, think about everything that went wrong. So he gets drafted by the team. Uh, first of all, they draft well, another— by the Bucks and then traded they to draft the Kings. Another, the Kings draft another point guard in Isaiah Thomas. Why, 60th pick over. Why what, would what you draft you another point guard? That ended up working out because he's been the starter. For the Kings, but why? Like, if you drafted Jimmer, why, why? The Timberwolves what are you doing? said, that's stupid. Yes. Load up on a bunch of guards? Oh, wait. That's just the beginning. Then their coach, Paul Westfall, gets fired seven games into the season, coming off of an NBA strike, a lockout, so there are no summer workouts, there are no rookie camps. two and five, and they fire the head coach. They fire him seven games into the season. At that point, it starts to just tailspin, out of control. Then Jimmer gets passed up by Isaiah Thomas. James Hamm told us that Jimmer had a a little bit of an opportunity, had a window, but he didn't seize it, and Isaiah Thomas kind of did. He kind of became the guy at the point position. So now Jimmer's riding the bench. He's had three different coaches in under three seasons as a lottery pick. His first gets fired seven games in off an NBA lockout. Who deals with that? What NBA player deals with that, especially a lottery pick? It's crazy. I mean, that, that's just crazy talk. And the thing is, Jimmer never really wanted to steal the show in Sacramento in the first place. Jimmer never wanted to get to the NBA and Jimmer people. You know, he didn't want Jimmer mania at the NBA level. He wanted to fit in among superstars. James Ham would continue. He just, he just wanted to be included with the guys. Jimmer just wants to fit in. He just wants to be one of the guys, but in a very, you know, pulled back way because he can't be one of the guys because that's not his morals. It's not his personality. Jimmer's married. Stable. He was driving a Hyundai when he started in the league. A what? Exactly. A Hyundai. That's how you say it properly. You mean a Hyundai? No, it's a Hyundai. It's Korean. I lived in Korea for two years, Jerome. Nosotros estamos in the U.S., dude. Hyundai. Can an American not say Hyundai? No, it's impossible. You you can say it. Say it. Say it! Ford! (laughs) Jimmer's situation is different than all of his teammates. 
But I'm just I'm just happy to see him have an opportunity to move on, to go somewhere and succeed. Topic two. BYU tournament train on aboard. Oh, you better believe it's it. It's windy back here on the caboose. <laughs> if you don't behave, I'm going to throw you in the baggage car. Just give me some peanuts, bro. I'm hungry. But at least you're on the train now, huh? I'm on at the train. At least you're sure. on the train. Yeah. I'm not on that train. <laughs> Thomas the train coming through. Give what us the, the real one again. Give us the real one. No, come on! Yeah, that's Joe Lenardi. That other one was, was oh, Jerry. Not hold, even Jerry Palm. Hold on, don't play anything. Let's listen to Jerry Palm. Oh wait, it passed. There is no train Crickets? for Jerry Palm. Crickets. <laughs> he didn't have BYU in at CB, all. CBS Sports guy. Bubble talk now. BYU is a team that's getting some help from other clubs all over the country, and they're not even playing. Think about Baylor, team right there alongside BYU. They're in the same category. They lost last night to Texas. So Texas helps BYU in two ways, by winning and continuing their role, and they knock Baylor below BYU. Richmond lost. They're probably out. Another bubble team. The Spiders. The Nebraska Cornhuskers along there in the BYU discussion. Jerry Palm has Nebraska over BYU right now. Even though Nebraska lost last night, they're 16-11. and 11. That is grade A baloney. Their, their RPI is 52. Their strength of schedule is lower than BYU. And that he has them above BYU. But still, the Cougars in the majority of the brackets benefiting from other teams missing opportunities. In fact, according to Bracket Matrix, they are in 71 of 82 brackets. One of those 11 that BYU's not in, Jerry Palm. They're not even in the first, first four five. out, first yeah. five out. He does not have bracket. them in there. What it, the heck, man? It, interesting. If Lenardi's the BYU homer, the anti-BYU guy's Jerry Palm. They, they are polar... Did he go to Utah? Or opposites. Or Utah State. He probably went to Utah State. Daily RPI finds BYU with an RPI of 33, strength of schedule at 28. I was shocked to look at Gonzaga's strength of schedule. Or lack thereof. It's low 80s. Mm. They're only five spots ahead of BYU in the RPI, and BYU has lost six, five, five or six more games than Gonzaga. Interesting. Tell me, tell me when we've seen a season like this for BYU basketball. Look, this is uh, BYU's never had a season like this where they've been rewarded for their schedule because BYU doesn't play crazy tough schedules like this. And I'll be honest, the schedule was too tough. It was. It was too tough. It crippled BYU in the first 15 games. BYU started 8-7, and seven, which brings us to the stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. 12 and 3. BYU's 12 and 3 in the year 2014. BYU started the season 8 and 7, like I mentioned during the 2013 part. Since then, 12 and 3, yo. BYU's been much better. The Cougars turned it around after the Pepperdine game on December 30th. New Year's resolution win. Win to get in, baby. BracketMatrix.com has BYU as the third-to-last team in. That is the compilation of all 82 brackets. A bevy of nationwide bracketologists chiming in on that. Again, Jerry Palm of CBS does not have BYU in yet, not even in the last five in. That's just, he's, he is like being purposely ignorant. He has to, he's sticking to principle. Yeah, it's, it's odd. <sighs> right now, the tournament started today. They're in, baby. Choo-choo. Topic three. Wild, Wild West Coast Conference. Oz throws off the screen, gives it back to a wide-open Wonder, and there's the first triple of the night for BYU. Jerem just gave us our stat of the day. BYU 12-3 and after the New Year. That means all 12 of those wins have come in West Coast Conference play. They have 
gotten hot at the right time. They're doing exactly the opposite of Gonzaga. Gonzaga's going the other direction. BYU is stealing a ton of steam. They don't play tonight. You said steam because of the train analogy, didn't you? There was you? no pun intended there, but hey, nice pickup. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Rob Morris train whistle. That's what that one is. A really interesting night tonight because of what happens in the West Coast Conference outside of BYU and San Diego. Starting with Gonzaga at Pacific. Pacific is a different team at home. Most teams in the West Coast Conference are different at home. They play really well. You shoot way better in your own building. You just do. And if the Tigers can shoot the ball like they did against BYU, why couldn't they beat Gonzaga? Gonzaga defends the three better. Look, one Gonzaga win equals a regular season title. Outright, it's over. They're the one seed. BYU is no worse than the three at this point. Uh, but as high as the two. If BYU wins against San Diego on Saturday and Gonzaga wins one of two, BYU's the two seed. This is a really good spot to be in. I don't think BYU is going to finish in a tie for the conference championship because of probability. I'm not saying that's going to happen. What I'm saying is it is more likely than most people think because of the way this conference has gone this year. Gonzaga's losses make no sense. They make make no sense. Less sense. Yeah, what the heck? Like, how do you predict that? It just doesn't happen. So the fact that we're even having this discussion after the start that BYU got, that there's a chance for them to win a tie of the regular season championship is bizarre. You know who doesn't have a weird loss like Gonzaga, or losses like Gonzaga and BYU? San Francisco. Yep. Who is the answer to today's Twitter question for me, which team do you want to avoid in the WCC uh, tournament? Honestly, Gonzaga is the toughest matchup for BYU because they're the best team. But San Francisco is a good team. They're in third place and right behind BYU. In fact, half a game behind BYU. If the Cougars slip against San Diego, San Francisco could be the two and BYU the three, and then BYU's at-large chances are over. San Francisco's on the right part of their schedule now, too. Listen to, yes, listen to who they've lost to. BYU twice, Gonzaga twice, St. Mary's once. They don't have an LMU, Pepperdine, Portland, Pacific, Santa Clara type of loss. They've lost to the good teams uh, in the conference. And those have been close games with BYU. A seven-point win on the road for the Cougars, a five-point win at home. You compare that to St. Mary's. The margin of victory has been an average of eight. For Gonzaga, negative seven because Gonzaga won by 15 and then BYU won by eight. San Francisco has been a tough matchup. I don't want to see them in the tournament, per se. That's going to be a semifinal matchup, though, that BYU almost inevitably has. Would you rather play St. Mary's or San Francisco? I'd rather play St. Mary's because I think the Gales don't think they can beat BYU. I mean, I'm sure they'll say, yeah, we can beat them, but I think in the back of their mind, they're like, uh... They kind of scare me from previous years, but this year, BYU's... Uh, beat them by 13 and then beat them by three on San the San Francisco creates bigger matchup problems for BYU. Cole Dickerson's a hard guy for BYU to, to, to match Tollefson up against. guards Haas, and yeah. that's tough for They're Haas long. Tollefson has a 9-foot, nine 9-inch nine wingspan. they I'm got a shooter, kidding. Tim Dirksen. I yeah. mean, they got some guys that can tough. play. So, yeah, San Francisco's tough. Uh, ultimately, it's for me, it's always going to be Gonzaga. Like, even though BYU... And that's going to be a Tuesday night... Matchup if that be, happens. Because in the West Coast Conference Tournament, their fans are rabid. Here's what's different about this year, though. Gonzaga previously just got to the semis and only had to win two games while other now teams... Now they got to win three. Now they have to win three like like six of the ten teams do. If there's a year that this Gonzaga does not get to the championship game... It's this year. It's going to be this, this one. With this team. Uh-huh. They're, they're vulnerable. They are. And who's the hottest team in the WCC right now? Brigham Young. 
Now, don't sleep on Idaho State. I will sleep on <laughs> Idaho State, Trevor. <laughs> the Cougars take on San Diego on Saturday uh, afternoon. And, oh, by the way, women's basketball, we need to give a shout-out to the ladies. They have Senior Day against San Diego as well, and their NCAA tournament chances are very much on the line on Saturday afternoon in the Marriott Center. Which team do you want to see BYU men's basketball avoid in the West Coast Conference Tournament? Keep your answers coming using the hashtag BYUSN. Up next, how much did Daniel Sorensen and Kyle Van Noy improve their stock at the draft combine? Eric Galco of the Sporting News joins us next. This is BYU Sports Nation. Stay with us. We'll have more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is BYU Sports Nation on the BYU Radio Sports Network. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on B to the Y to the U Radio. Spencer Linton, Jaron Jordan live from Studio 2. Follow the show on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation. You can also follow us at Spencer underscore Linton and at Jerem Jordan. Starting one week from today, we will be in Las Vegas at the West Coast Conference Basketball Tournament. Broadcasting BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. And now on BYU TV, it's a simulcast. See what you've been hearing starting one week from today, March 6th, on BYU TV. I wonder if we can get Hyundai as a sponsor for the simulcast. Well, heck no. <laughs> hey, let's not rule it out. We're not know? asking Coach Kraskoviak what he thinks about potential sponsors. Leave him out of this. Which team do you want BYU basketball to avoid at the West Coast Conference Tournament? On the men's side, we're talking, send in your responses using the hashtag BYUSN. Time now for our first guest of the day, the premium content producer for the sporting news when it comes to NFL Draft Combine and owner of Optimum Scouting, Eric Galco. Eric, from our perspective and with all the social media chatter, it seems like BYU safety Daniel Sorensen, to a degree, stole the show in the DB group. How did you view that? Yeah, a lot of the top, uh, a lot of the top defensive backs in attendance were were impressive. Really, no losers overall. I think Sorensen was one of the big winners of the day, mostly because teams understand that athletic ability he showed in college. And as we talked before, definitely a guy who impressed teams special teams wise. A guy who's coming right now, playing all four special teams. He has experience on most of them, if not all of them, during BYU, his BYU career, and could be kind of that third safety as well. And that's all. I think he'd be a strong safety or free safety developmental guy, and provide the instant impact on special teams, what teams are going to love late in the draft as well. So I think right now, after a good combine and a great career at BYU, especially with his immediate impact on special teams, he's looking at a late-round selection, maybe a mid-round selection to get a press team to individual workouts. Daniel Sorensen had a good 60-yard shuttle, and then he, he takes uh, the cake. He's number one in the three-cone drill. What does that mean for his prospects, as you mentioned, possibly being a late-round pick now? Yeah, the three-cone drill actually is, for most teams and most positions, more important than the 40-yard dash down, which gets all the attention. And what wow. the three-cone drill really shows is the ability to, to turn and pivot and keep that explosive and stay low throughout your movements. For defensive backs, for example, that means the ability to pick up a receiver and off coverage, which as a safety you'll do a lot of, and turn and keep your balance and be in an athletic position the entire time. So the three-cone drill, very important for defensive backs. And doing well on that drill, like I said, shows the ability to play in deep coverage, play center field or as a strong safety role. Both positions will be playing in the NFL once he gets the shot. How much can a guy actually improve his draft stock at the combine? You know, not much to be honest. The biggest, the two biggest values of the combine are teams enter the combine with the threshold of a, of a range they expect most of these guys to run or perform in all these workouts. So if you're in that threshold, nothing really happens. If you're a little bit bothered, a little bit oil, maybe teams have some concern and go back to let someone watch it. But also, this is the first chance for a lot of coaches, position coaches, head coaches, GMs, and sometimes owners to actually see these guys for the first time. You know, teams are obviously focused on their teams in season. So when it comes to the playoff times. 
been focusing on their teams as well. When it comes to the draft, they really start at the combine. So I think overall, this is a chance for those high decision makers to get a look at these guys and interview these guys, and hopefully they'll get a chance to embrace these guys and, and, and consider taking them on draft day. Eric Galco, the owner and editor of Optimum Scouting, joins BYU Sports Nation. Some of the other guys at uh, the Combine for BYU, Wani Unga did not participate in any of the physical drills, uh, but Ethan Manumaliuna and then Kyle Van Noy and Cody Hoffman. How did those other three guys do in your mind? You know, Manny Manuela didn't really do much to alter, alter his rate at all. I think he kind of uh, was just asked for what teams expected. Kyle Benoit, not a great athlete. Teams kind of knew that going in, but that's the player that teams are going to want to draft. They're drafting Kyle Benoit because of the fact that he can play in a variety of defenses and a variety of roles and make an instant impact. I think right now he's still flirting with the late first round uh, grade right now for most teams. I know teams would love to get him in the second round. A handful of ones I talked to are hoping he's there in the mid-second round area to scoop him up both 3-4 and 4-3 teams. And I think Cody Hoffman, I think he, teams are expecting a much better combine. I know he struggled in a variety of drills. And as a receiver, a long receiver who has some vertical speed, didn't really showcase that or really a lot of it is broad jump or vertical jump either. So I think Cody Hoffman is really not pushing will he, or not, will he get drafted or not despite his, despite his production at BYU. But I think Benoit still a solid second round pick, maybe a late first option, and maybe Hoffman didn't help himself all that much. Eric Galco, the lead draft analyst for the Sporting News and owner of Optimum Scouting, joining BYU Sports Nation. Eric, last time we talked to you, you had Kyle going between 15 and 25 in the first round. Do you have him in that same category, or has he uh, dropped a bit? You know, on our board, he's still that same guy, and, and his film, his evaluation really hasn't changed since his junior year, to be honest. He's asked to do some different things as a senior this year with Steve Galante, got to play a little more conservative and really get a chance to highlight his skills as much. But I think in terms of where teams may draft him, it's going to fluctuate a lot as far as where other guys work out, and the fact that he's not an elite outside pass rusher, which teams are always looking for in that 15 to 20 range. It's a very talented and top-heavy class, as many as 20, 25 guys who in most drafts would be top-ten consideration guys. And I know he doesn't have that type of athletic ability to be considered a French top-ten guy. So I think he definitely could fall on draft day. But I think it comes down to the late first round, if the team's looking to get one of those high upside receivers or quarterbacks, and one of those guys is on the board, you take Kyle Vanoy, you get an instant starter for 10 years, and a guy who can do a lot of things for your defense. I think some team in the top 40 still wants Kyle Vanoy, the 25 to 30 range is still a possibility. But I think right now he's looking to top 50 someplace and hoping a team falls in love with what he can do and his versatility. Eric, last time we talked to you, we joked about you having a clipboard trying to jot down things in the wind at the uh, Senior Bowl. (laughs) Now this time with the NFL Combine, we focused our conversation on just the BYU guys, but how many guys have you evaluated, and uh, what's the key to keeping all that knowledge in your head about so many guys and so many things? Uh, Coffee, studying, uh, a lot of those (laughs) things are are so important to me, and and kind of keeping focus as much as I can, because like I said, there's 336 guys at the Combine, and we have over 500 players graded on our draft board right now, so... It's tough to keep all that in my head right now. Luckily, I've been doing a lot of years, so I got some uh, a lot of jotted papers out, and obviously a lot of notepads uh, filled with with prospect evaluation, the combine numbers. But the biggest thing to go into the combine process, in my opinion, is to have your evaluation set going in there. So when you go to the combine, things don't surprise you, things don't blow you away. It's been years of me doing this to kind of get that down. But as long as you go in there confident in what you've seen and do the film study, the post draft, the postseason of the NFL draft season is is kind of easier for me and kind of relaxing time because. You kind of see if your evaluations are right, and you talk to NFL teams and see what they think. How much sleep have you gotten? I think everyone's figured out that uh, you're certainly an NFL draft expert, but how much sleep are you getting at the Combine? You know, it's not much. A lot of it is you go to the drills, you watch the drills, you talk to the players, you go back and talk to teams and see what they're doing as well, and, and rinse and repeat. And that's going to happen from now for me and most draft analysts from now until the draft, draft season starts. You know, obviously, 
everyone in the NFL still has their nine to five type jobs, but they talk to you five to ten after that as well. So it's it's work in the day, film study still, uh, finalize the evaluations, write the articles through the mock drafts, and get as much insight as possible. I just posted uh, something out from scouting for this week, uh, kind of all the insights I'm hearing from the NFL, so that's on there as well. And it's kind of a constant battle of film study, articles, and then kind of getting the insights to see what these teams might do on draft day. Eric Galco from Optimum Scouting is on BYU Sports Nation. Eric, who will be the better pro, in your opinion, after seeing them in the combine? Johnny Manziel or Jadavion Clowney? Oh, Jadavion Clowney. Uh, I think Johnny Manziel, there's, there's so many things that have to go right for him to have long-term success in the NFL. He has to stay healthy. He has to go to an offense that can fit his needs. He has to go to an offense, in my opinion, that's going to let him sit for a little while. I'm not asking him to do a lot of things first off because he needs a lot of help. Javion Clowney has some injury concerns, and yes, the work ethic or consistency issues he had as a senior, as a junior, are a bit concerning. But he's the best defensive prospect I've seen in the past ten years. I think he has wow. remarkable upside as a pass rusher in both four-three and three-four defenses, and I think he's an instant plug-and-play type guy. I think he doesn't go first overall to the Texans; he'll go second overall to the Rams and the Falcons trading up. At the worst-case scenario, he's going three to the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I think overall, Javion Clowney is going to be a fantastic NFL player for a long time. Johnny Manziel certainly could be. But I wouldn't take him in the top ten. I think he's also my pass on him in the top five or ten picks. Final question for Eric Galco, the director of scouting and uh, the lead content, or Optimum Scouting, but the lead content producer for the sporting news when it comes to the NFL draft. Eric, who are your top three right now? Uh, in terms of overall evaluations, we have Javion Clowney one, uh, Khalil Mack two, Greg Robinson three from Auburn. Uh, those are the top three players in this draft. Obviously, all linemen and all pass rushers are offensive tackles, but that's what the draft really turns into right now. And, and looking at the quarterback position, obviously, if you need a quarterback in the NFL, you take one for all those guys as well. I think the Houston Texans might do that. Our top quarterback is Teddy Bridgewater. I do also like Blake Bortles of Central Florida. I'm not a Johnny Manziel fan. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo of Eastern Illinois and Derek Carr of Fresno State are both highly underrated right now. And both guys certainly have a chance to be late first-round picks. I'm hearing Derek Carr can go outside of the top ten. So a lot of talented quarterbacks. But I still like Javion Clowney, Greg Robinson, and Khalil Mack to be instant impact players in the NFL. Great stuff, Eric. We appreciate the time on uh, shedding light on the Cougars and other guys at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Get some sleep and get ready for the draft. <laughs> appreciate it, guys. Thanks again. Eric Galco of Optimum Scouting. A guy, he talks really fast, and so you consume a lot of knowledge uh, whenever we talk to him. I feel like I'm smarter now, and, and that's, that's tough to do, to make me to feel like I'm, I'm got, I got smarter. Yeah, he, and great stuff. We talked to him during the Senior Bowl, now during the NFL Combine. I imagine we'll hook up with him later, closer to the uh, NFL Draft. Great stuff on uh, the BYU Cougars, and interesting about Daniel Sorensen. He's really high on Daniel Sorensen. How about Eric powering through the truck backing up during beep, the middle of that interview? Beep, beep. Hey, look out for I the truck! To scream. Look out, Eric! Look out. look out for the tournament train! <laughs> Why didn't we ask him about that? We should have, should have brought the NCAA Indianapolis. Tournament. Isn't that where the the selection committee mm. makes the picks? There was Eric Galco near the tournament train. Who knows? You know, we were just having this discussion um, during the commercial break earlier. Johnny Manziel is kind of like the Jimmer uh, in the in football. A yes. really, really, really good, exciting, took over the nation's Stole attention. the country's heart. Can it translate to the next level? I'm excited to see. He's the most exciting college football player we've seen in a long time. Will it translate? But his size and a, a couple of other factors don't exactly... Like with Jimmer, it's his, it's his speed, you know, transfer over. Yeah, he's got, the, he's got great one-on-one moves, but can he defend, you know? Is he tall enough questions? to throw right. over an NFL defensive line? Yeah. Has no, an NFL offensive line for that matter. Johnny Manziel's speed is Jimmer's shot. Yes. 
That's a really, really interesting thought. Jimmer and Johnny Manziel. I never thought I would compare the two. Two opposite guys. We're, we're talking about... I One's mean, the from, party animal, the other's chasing a dog around his house. They are nothing alike. They are nothing alike. But, but you compare their professional... Their uh, collegiate careers. Their collegiate careers and yeah. their professional potential. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. He'll get drafted early, just like Jimmer did. You know what Jimmer is counting down to this fall? Mm-hmm. Connecticut. Countdown to Connecticut. 183. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmer Fredette follows BYU Sports. He keeps with it. So I'm sure he's, uh, he's listening, for one. Hello, Jimmer. And uh, that he knows 183 days. 180. You know how days. I know he follows BYU Sports? Because he follows one Jerem Jordan on Twitter. Sure. Mm-hmm. How, many, how many guys can say that Jimmer follows them on Twitter? It's probably an exact number. Do you feel special? Do you feel guys? I'm saying guys. You want to go through and count oh, all guy, the guys? I don't know all the girls. So. <laughs> Jeremy's legitimately looking like this need, up right now. I feel like we need to move He's on. He's legitimately looking this up he right now. He follows 251 people. Which team do you want BYU to avoid at the West Coast Conference Tournament? That is our Twitter topic. You've got tweets. At Toshalin19, St. Mary's, beating anyone three times in a season is really hard, if not impossible. I'm looking at you, SDSU, making a reference to San Diego State during Jimmer's senior season. I I enjoyed the win at San Diego State in front of the show more than I did uh, if had BYU won in Vegas in the Mountain West Conference Tournament. BYU got an at-large and the same exact seed as San Diego State despite losing that tournament title game. Didn't matter. I went to San Diego this and, will matter, and watched that game in a movie theater. There was a BYU alumni group in Southern California. Why didn't you go to the game in San Diego? Because I wanted, I mean, I, I don't know. It was, I was busy <laughs> with work and stuff. Like, it, it would have been really hard for me to get down there. You went to the same city, but you could have. It was Carl, it was actually Carlsbad. So it was close. Oh, okay. It was, it was still a ways out okay. of San Diego, but they rented out an entire movie theater, BYU fans. This guy owned... Those experiences are so fun. Really cool. When you watch with a bunch of BYU fans, you're not at the game, but... It was fun to watch fun. the big guys on CBS Sports, you know, Steve Kerr and Clark Kellogg, those guys calling that game in a movie theater, and then BYU goes off, Charles Abuo was money from the three-point line, Brandon Davies played well, That was Jimmer one scored of the 25. funnest experiences oh. ever, because San Diego State was really good, but BYU had their number during the Jim, Jimmer era, BYU had their number. They, junior year, they won at San Diego State as well. Which just goes in to say it's, it's hard to beat a team three times, and this was on a neutral floor in Las Vegas, which is where BYU is going to play again at the Orleans Arena in Las Vegas. San Francisco or St. Mary's, likely you're going to see one of those two teams in the semifinals. You're going to have to win a tough game. You're going to have to beat somebody three times. You're going to have to win times. two tough games, probably. At Big, Dan, Big D Dan 11, men's basketball, avoid the Zags until the final, which looks like that's also going to happen unless... Uh, BYU is going to play a team in the quarters they probably have lost to. Yep. Pacific, Portland, someone like that. And then in the semifinals, the team they have not lost to. Correct. That's weird. San Francisco That's, or That makes St. no sense. That makes no sense. But if they can avoid the Zags until the final and get to the championship game, boy, their tournament resume is looking really strong. They cannot technically drop below the three seed. So I, if, if they play Gonzaga, I'm, I'm almost positive it's not going to happen until the final. Yeah, that's exactly right. Women's basketball. Oh, by the way, this falls also from Big D Dan 11. Avoid St. Mary's. St. Yes. Mary's is a tough matchup for the, the, the ladies. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, absolutely. And we'll have uh, 12 of those games at the WCC tournament on BYU TV next week. That's Eight a women, record. Four men. Bunch of bridge shows, halftime shows, BYU Sports Nation, True Blue from there. We're going to be rocking hoops down in Vegas. 
What the? The messenger goat has just arrived. That means the BYU Sports Nation Oracle will join us next with a look into BYU's future. Can't wait. This is BYU Sports Nation. We'll be back with more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is Nate Austin, and you are tuned in to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Nate Austin and the BYU Cougars staring down San Diego on Saturday at the Jenny Craig Pavilion, the Slim Fast Center, whatever they call that thing, the Slim Gym. Slim Gym! Welcome back to the show, Spencer Linton and Jared Jordan. Oh, yeah. The Kool-Aid Man? What? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yeah. That's, that's Randy Macho Man Savage. Or the Kool-Aid Man. One week from today, we'll be in Las Vegas. Simulcast of BYU Sports Nation uh, begins March 6th, 7th, 10th, and 11th. We're stoked. Uh, see what you've been hearing. We continue on BYU Radio and now on BYU TV. Same time, noon Eastern. March 6th, 7th, 10th, and 11th on BYU TV and BYU Radio. I need a boom shakalaka for that, please. Boom shakalaka! There's so much energy in that. It's not like boom shakalaka. Boom Boom shakalaka. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, nothing like that. Thanks, Marcus Smith, morning show. (laughs) Boom shakalaka. Resetting some of the top stories and headlines today, Jimmer Fredette still technically a member of the Sacramento Kings, though we have been told again that a deal is expected to be reached for a buyout by the end of today, probably early today, which will make him a free agent after he clears and is on waivers uh, 48 hours. So Saturday. Blah, blah, blah. Finish the buyout. Just get it done, please. Bracketology Thursday for BYU men's basketball. They're an 11 seed. There are six other teams below BYU that are all in the tournament. They're the seventh to last team in. No, give me the real one. They're the seventh. Yes. That deserves a real train whistle. BYU. That's a get the heck off the track sound. Mm-hmm. Playing a six seed Ohio State in Orlando, part of the West bracket, according to Joe Lenardi of ESPN. The other whistle, by the way, is Jerry Palms. Is Here Jerry we go. Palm. Yeah, Jerry Palms' whistle is this. <laughs> no, there's no whistle for Jerry yeah, it's, Palm. It's, it's silence. It's just cricket. There's no, like, eight year old. There yeah. you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Jerry Palm, where there is no where, shortage of what we can bring you on BYU Sports I d- Station. I don't see BYU in your bracket. I'm just wondering where they are. And then Lenardi's just like, get out of the way. <laughs> I love it. Which BYU team will face a top three squad? We'll tell you that in about 10 minutes in the Cougar Whip Around. Also, a big night in the West Coast Conference for men's basketball, even though. BYU is not playing a lot on the line, specifically Gonzaga at Pacific. You and I got into it a little bit later, or a little bit earlier, and I, I'm going to go back there because I, your attitude is the one that was the same going in when BYU was playing Pacific. Now they got this. They, they, they should win this game easily. I'll be surprised they don't win by double digits. BYU, 17 plus. BYU loses that game. They were a three-point <laughs> favorite. Gonzaga is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. They've lost two straight. That's why I think they're thinking about it now. They're at least thinking about it. The potential of losing this game. They're worried. They have to be. Yeah. They you're, have to be. You're probably right. By the way, I was just thinking about the train. The, did you see the movie Unstoppable with yes, uh, Chris, Chris Pine, Pine and Denzel loved Washington? It. I loved that That's movie. Lenardi's train. <laughs> There's no brakes. <laughs> no it's bra- not stopping. There's no brakes on that train. Yeah, look out. Oh, got a man. 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb. And by the way, I got a t- oh, I just got a tweet in, Jerem, about, about Hyundai. Mm. Sorry, I'm bringing I'm bringing it at you. Sure. At Aaron K underscore MN. Love hearing the discussion about the proper pronunciation of Hyundai. This Korean speaking return missionary thanks you. Boomstick, Jerem. Okay. Uh, the other outside hitter not named Taylor Sander 
Jose Rivera. How do you say his name? Jose Rivera. Uh, oh, why don't you say Jose Rivera? <laughs> because we're in the United States and we say Jose Rivera. No, no. Hyundai. That's, to- Hyundai. that's totally different. That's a last name. That's a person's name. This is a company. And it's spelled in English that every American can say. Hyundai. Not everybody can roll their R's. Everybody can, can make the H-Y-U-N sound. Hyundai. When in Rome. <laughs> you know what? Eric Mika says, when in Rome. If you're going to get mad about it, why don't you May just leave, 14th. dude? Why don't you just leave? Listen, I'm kind of fed up with you. We've been friends for a long time, but I need a minute. I need a minute. What? I'm out. Leave. Good. Fine. Get me out of here. I'll host the show by myself. Ben, I need five minutes. Give me five minutes. Fine. With that, we make space for the Oracle. From parts unknown, he joins us to look into the future of BYU sports. He's the Oracle, only on BYU Sports Nation. He has once again descended from the mountaintop. I once saw the movie Gladiator. This music sounds very similar. (laughs) It is good to be with you again. (laughs) It's good to have you back, Oracle. Really good to have you back. I am tired from my donkey ride descending the mountain. This is a nice respite. You brought your messenger goat, too. That was cool. Everyone needs a messenger goat. Harry Potter got it wrong. Here's Here's how it works out. We ask the Oracle three, maybe four questions if we have time, and he looks into the future. Thus far, he has been frighteningly accurate. And I mean that I read sincerely. The, I interpret the signs. Let's go number one. Oh, by the way, congratulations on 28 followers on Twitter. I believe I have more on the Twitter. <laughs> I have 30 and 4. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Follow at BYUSN underscore Oracle. 34 followers and growing on Twitter. Number one, oh, Oracle. Looking ahead to Saturday's men's basketball matchup, BYU and San Diego, what's going to happen? This one's mystical. I see many Germans. Germans? Huh? A mustache? That can't be right. A, a whale? A vicious street brawl? What are you looking an at? Arm ge- oh, I need to turn off Anchorman. Someone told me I should watch this movie. Get Focus! No, but Germans, I see... Nine. No? In German? No. B- San Diego beats BYU? What? No, no way. Oh, wait. BYU wins by nine. BYU by nine. There is number one from the Oracle. Cougars at San Diego on Saturday. Number two, Jimmer Fredette. Not yet released. From what the... is a Jimmer? Is G- it a drink? A dance? What is a Jimmer? Jimmer, Jimmer is a person. He, he's a basketball player. Oracle. That is a weird name. <laughs> he... He's in the NBA. He's, he's the all-time leading scorer here at BYU. You need to know Jimmer. At Brigham. You need to know Jimmer. Okay. Number two, where will he play next? The sun rises over the mountains. He heads in that direction. He's shooting a basketball from a distance. He's wearing a cowboy hat and listening to odd music. The spurs? It's also what? very windy. Uh, oh, oh, the, the ball's blown Memphis? into a lake. A lake. Now there's a giant river. The Chicago Bulls. I can't spell it, but it's a big word. How many eyes are in that word? Mississippi? East of the Mississippi. Okay. Jimmer Frederick, east (laughs) of the Mississippi. (laughs) Okay. East Coast. So he's going to be in the Eastern Conference. I I can handle that. Number three, what will BYU have at the West Coast Conference tourney next week in terms of a seed? Oh, what will they have? I was thinking food and... No, trying to no, inter- seed. okay seed seed of the tournament seed 
uh, mustard seed. Uh, oh, I see a hippie. I also see a U.S. president. Is it Reagan? No, it's Nixon. He's signaling something to me. Peace? Oh, two. Ah. The second seed. BYU will have Brigham, as I call them, will have the second seed at the whatever championship you said. I am not, I am not a crook. Yes. Two seed. Number four. This is a fan question. Just came in. Oracle, can you, can you handle a fan question right now? I predict the signs. I don't know any of these questions beforehand, but I'll do my best. <laughs> Oracle, can BYU men's volleyball team win the national championship this year? This comes from at H. Collier 88. Let me, let me turn up the incense a little bit for this one. Oh, it's getting awfully steamy in here. I see a boy. His eyes are closed. It's very dark. He's trying to open his eyes. It's 2.30 on his clock. It's early. It's too early to predict whether BYU or Brigham will win the national championship in volleyball. (laughs) I must go. Will you you reveal on your Twitter if you ever get the signs for that, please? I will save my answers for this program. Why why do you always have to go so fast? I must go, Spencer. Others need the oracle. (laughs) Follow me on Twitter. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) There they go. All right. (laughs) Which team do you want BYU to avoid in the West Coast Conference Tournament? That is our Twitter question, if you are the BYU SN underscore Oracle. Where is Jerome? He just missed another epic segment. Come on, man. Stay tuned for the Cougar Whip Around, including which BYU team takes on the second-ranked team in the nation. This is BYU Sports Nation. Stay with us. We'll have more BYU Sports Nation right after this. Rise and shout, Cougar fans. This is Taysom Hill, and you are listening to BYU Sports Nation. Taysom Hill and the BYU Cougars 183 days away from Connecticut. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan hanging out in studio, too. You know what time it is. Time to whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Baseball. Baseball. BYU hosts Seattle, the Mariners. No. In St. George with the doubleheader tomorrow, the game was moved from Saturday to Friday due to rain in the forecast. Softball. The 6-9 and nine softball team uh, doesn't get much easier. They take on number 2 Tennessee. It's about to get real. And San Diego State today in the San Diego Classic. We have jobs. We don't need to volunteer. Tomorrow, Lexi Eaton in studio from the women's basketball team. The latest to try and get BYU Sports Nation karma. And then Rob Nielsen, former BYU men's volleyball setter. He's an assistant coach. He'll hang out with us as well. All right. Lexi. Ooh, that that could mean big things for Lexi on Saturday. On Saturday. That's exactly right. Hmm. Karma's been pretty good to women's It's been very good. It's been very good to pretty much everyone who's been... Everybody in studio? At Laser Sheep. How will the Oracle be simulcast? Have you figured this out? By the way, we're cool, okay? All right, man. I need a minute. We're cool. You feeling better? Yep. I I just happened to miss the Oracle every stinking time. (laughs) Why is that? Have you even seen him in the hall? The Oracle on the simulcast is going to be fun. Yes. When you see the Oracle, I I personally think he's really ugly. (laughs) Hey, I, he's, it's not, let, just because he gets more things right than you do, it doesn't mean you got to hate on him. That's well, he's the oracle. He should, right? That's what he does. Yeah, not a good looking dude. We're gonna have to make up artists or something. I don't know. <laughs> Who gets our rise and shout today? The oracle's a contender. 
I think the Oracle gets it. Wow. Okay. Just for his sheer accuracy, you've got to give that guy some credit. Whatever. Who cares if he's... I only know what he looks like from his Twitter profile. I've never actually seen him in the halls because I'm always like, Ben's like, hey, can you come out? I'm like, dude, (laughs) I never leave except when the Oracle's on. This is weird. Oh, the Cosmos just aren't in your favor right now. But you will see him on the the simulcast. You will see him on the simulcast. The Cosmo is in my corner, though. He's going to join us from his mountain at some point during the simulcast. They'll have to figure out the satellite hookup. That's... We don't know very much about him, just from what he's told us and what he's tweeted. He can't always get down. Fax machine or something. You know what? I should have asked him which team he wants BYU to avoid at the West Coast Conference Mm. Tournament. That is our Twitter topic today. It's Twitter time. At SkyDiz says, nobody. If BYU plays (laughs) to its potential, it can beat anybody in the conference. I'm just hoping the Cougs do some work. This would be a huge deal because BYU has not won a conference tournament since 2001, something we have documented very well on this show. 13 years since BYU last won the conference tournament, not even during the Jimmer years. You know what's funny? After BYU beat Paci- or lost to Pacific, it might have been before that, but for some reason it still, it still beat hard with me, is BYU, th- this, is, this could be the year BYU wins the tournament title. The year where you lose to LMU, Pepperdine, Portland, Pacific, and Conference, people like me are saying, it's over, the at-large hopes are over, and then BYU goes and wins the tournament. Gonzaga's vulnerable. BYU swept St. Mary's in San Francisco. I think BYU's the team to beat in Vegas. Yes, you they cannot are. put a price on confidence. They, they know they can beat any team. They Dave know Rose, that. The number one buzzword with Dave Rose is confidence. The last few years I thought, why does he say it so much? And then you've seen when BYU doesn't have confidence and then when they do, and the difference in the way BYU plays. Stat of the day today was BYU's 12-3 and since the turn of the year, and they changed the season. They did. Win, they were one game above 500. to get in. Win, get some fantastic tweets point. about the Oracle, by the way, Jerem. Uh, you, you asked, at Leadership asked, how will the Oracle be simulcast? McMinn5 says, holograms. <laughs> 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 okay. BYU has San Oracle. You're our only hope. He's up to 37 followers, apparently, yes! on Twitter. 30 and 7, or whatever he that said. That guy, man. I know. At Chess Sports, in, in regarding BYUSN underscore Oracle. Face for radio, huh? Okay. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm, there's a different... Hey, when you go to TV, you got you to gotta look all right, right? At Tim Quist, or at Tim Quist at FootDoc24. How do you know you're hooked on at BYU Sports Nation? It's when you know at all times the precise number of days <laughs> until the next BYU football game. Yes. 183. <laughs> yeah. If you know the number, you're, you're, uh, you're on the BYU Sports Nation train. A rise and shout to all of you that know how many days on the day till BYU takes on Listen, who else is breaking that down? Who else is That's getting us, you ready baby. for Connecticut? That is us. Nobody! At Craig, oh, at Agrox Craig. Agrox Craig. Okay, sorry, Craig. I messed that up. Uh, In teams that you want to avoid, San Francisco or San Diego. Hmm. Yeah, San Diego's an interesting matchup. The first game with San Diego, BYU won by 15, but they were on a mission. They had just lost LMU and two LMU and Pepperdine. BYU played a great game. They started Skyler Halford. He scored 28. This is a different situation. BYU's on a roll right now, but San Diego's confident because they just beat Gonzaga, and their guards get BYU trouble. Chris, Christopher Anderson penetrates well. Johnny D can shoot it. Uh, they have some bigs that can battle with BYU, so BYU's got to bring it. Like San Diego is not an automatic win, as BYU's proven that none of the games are automatic on the road. 
The Toreros, by the way, beat St. Mary's and Gonzaga on their home floor. Both of those that teams. That should scare the heck out of BYU. I, it's going to be a big game. It's a it's the game. It is all of a sudden the game. It's for game. the two seed. Maybe yes. the one. Hey, thanks to our guest today, Eric Galco and the Oracle and everyone on our crew. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BYU Sports Nation for show links and so much more. You can listen to episodes of the show on demand at BYURadio.org. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Hop on the train. You have just listened to BYU Sports Nation.